You are listening to New Life The Fort. We believe your vision will be expanded and your heart enlarged. If you are blessed by this message, write to info at newlifethefort.com. How many of you know that this is a year of expansion? If you've forgotten already, <laughs> let me remind you. Isaiah 54 verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Say strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand. Now, I believe what we're doing at the beginning part of the year is we are strengthening our stakes. We are preparing for expansion. God wants you to expand in every area of your life. Every area. Amen, front row. And you know what? Every area that you give him access to and that you allow him to and that you make him Lord and do life with him, he will expand you in that area. He desires all of us to be laid down and given to him because he wants to do amazing things through us, okay? But he wants to expand you in the area of your finances. We know that prosperity is not just about money. We know that from last week. But money is a part of it. And so he wants you to be prosperous in your finances. He wants you to expand. That's why I say we are going to strengthen our stakes and we're going to go to the Word and see what the Word has to say about finances. Because Jesus was not afraid to talk about finances. In fact, he talked about it a lot. Because finances, let's face it, they are a big part of our lives. We have to deal with money on a daily basis. So it's important that we know what God thinks about it. He wants us to be thinking like he does. If you remember, I wrote this in my notes. God wants us to think the way he does about money. This is so important. He wants us to have a healthy relationship with money. When Jesus came to the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler said, Rabbi or teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, do the law, honor your father and mother, blah, 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 blah. Okay? The rich young ruler said, all of this I've done since my youth. Jesus said, one thing you lack, sell all you have and follow me. Now, was Jesus against the guy having stuff? No. But Jesus identified here that there was an unhealthy mentality. There was an unhealthy mindset and relationship to this man's money. See, when he came to Jesus, he didn't say, Lord. He said, teacher or rabbi. So this guy, instead of Jesus being his Lord, his money actually was his Lord. And so Jesus was not against his money, but he was just revealing to him the position of his heart. Him saying, sell all you have and follow me was because Jesus wanted to break that power off of the man so he could be free to follow Jesus. See, we are not to be servants to money. Money wants to control you. It wants you to be its slave. We are not to be servants to money. Money is to serve us. That's why Jesus said, let it go. Come follow me. It will break that power over your life. Follow me, seek first the kingdom, all these things shall be added unto you. 
So God does not want us to work for money. He wants us to learn how to make money work for us. He doesn't want us money to use us. He wants us to use money. Okay? I put here, God does not want money to dictate what we do. He wants us to dictate what money does. He is our Lord. Money is a tool. Money is a tool that we can use to expand the kingdom. So I want to show you that from the beginning, expansion comes through this principle of the seed. If we go back to the beginning, Adam, when God created man in Genesis 1.28, the Bible says in 27, verse 27, it says he made man in his image. So we're created in the image of God. Then the Bible says he blessed Adam and he told him, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Now that's talking about expansion, right? Now, how was Adam going to expand? How was he going to do that? Don't think about it for too long. God had already given him what he needed to expand. It was in the form of seed. That seed that Adam possessed, he had to plant, which God had also provided a place for him to plant the seed, an opportunity for that seed to be planted. Then expansion would begin to take place. From the beginning, we can see that God's plan for expansion, it starts with one seed. It starts with a seed. So I want to show you today how it's the same with us. And we've been teaching from 2 Corinthians because it's the same with our finances. Money can be used as a seed to create expansion and expand the kingdom. And we've been sharing this through 2 Corinthians. And we've been sharing from this passage a lot. And the reason for it is this is the most comprehensive exhortation on giving in the New Testament. It's so rich in truth. So we want to mine this a little bit and get everything out of it that God wants us to get. So if you can remember this, in 2 Corinthians 8, well, we know that Paul is exhorting the Corinthians and he's telling them that there is this grace of giving. If we can go there, 2 Corinthians 8, 7, New Living. There is this grace of giving that is operating in the church of Macedonia. The church of Macedonia is quite poor, actually. And Paul is exhorting the church in, Corinthi- in um, the Corinthian church that they would excel in this grace also, in the grace of giving, that this grace would be seen, would be flowing through their lives, okay? Now, actually, the Corinthians had a lot more wealth than the Macedonians, okay? But it's not about the amount. It's about the heart. It's about the grace flowing through us in this area, okay? So this is what he says, since you excel, he says this to to the Corinthians, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. So they're excelling in a lot of areas, right? He says, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving, okay? And then in 2 Corinthians 9, 5, So he begins to exhort them to prepare this gift. Actually, the Corinthians um, were the first ones who said that we want to give an offering. We want to sow a seed to the church in Jerusalem because they're struggling. They're poor. They have needs. 
So the Corinthian church was the first to say, we want to sow, we want to help them, we want to give an offering to the Jerusalem church, okay? Now Paul's writing this letter now a year later to encourage them to finish doing what they had in their heart to do a year ago. The church in Macedonia, actually, they were encouraged to give because of the Corinthian church and they gave already. So now he's writing to encourage the Corinthians to finish that act in giving to the church in Jerusalem. Okay, you guys with me? And this is what he says. He says, therefore, in verse 5, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So now he begins to bring in this concept of giving our finances like giving seeds, sowing and reaping, giving and receiving. We can see him using it here, okay? So your money can be considered a seed that can expand. The Apostle Paul said it, not me, okay? Then he says in verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Ushers and greeters, when you come in here and you're cheerful, God loves a cheerful giver. You know, when the offering baskets go by and you give cheerfully, God loves that. He loves it when you give cheerfully. That word cheerfully, it just means joyfully, prompt, prompt to do anything. It's a ready attitude. It's a, yes, the offering basket's coming by. Woohoo! Yes, I have an opportunity to go and serve in the house of God today. Come on, bring it on. I'm ready. That's, that's this attitude that he's talking about. God loves that. He loves that. He delights in that. But I want to look at this. It says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Now, purpose, this word purpose is two words in the Greek. It's pro eros. It means, pro means before, eros means to choose. So it's saying as you have chosen beforehand. When you purpose something, it means beforehand you've already decided. Okay, so he says give, give as you've already decided in your heart. Now, this is important because my dad is a farmer, if you don't know that, and I called him up the other day to ask him some farming questions, and he was giving me a lot of farming answers, which were like a bushel to a hectare to a tonnage to that, and I was like, Dad, please just keep it simple, you know, (laughs) make it as simple as possible so I can understand. But my dad, before he sows seed, okay, Guess what they do? They purpose. Sowing their seed, as a farmer, sowing your seed is not an afterthought. Sowing your seed is a central thought. It's not an afterthought, okay? They purpose ahead of time what they are going to sow, where they are going to sow it, and how much they're going to sow. They purpose beforehand. They think it through. Okay, my dad and my brother, they work together. They talk it over. They argue about it for months until they decide this is what we're going to do. Now, think about that. It's the same way for us. 
God says, purpose in your heart how you're going to give. What does that mean? You get to purpose where you're going to give. You get to purpose when you're going to give. And you get to purpose how much you're going to give. That's your choice. But you, you make that decision ahead of time. That's why you can give cheerfully. Because you're ready. You've thought it through. You know, it's just saying don't wait until the offering basket comes by to give your seed and just fuck through your wallet and, oh, this will do, and chuck it in. If my dad did that with farming, that would be crazy. That's not how farmers operate. And in the spiritual, as spiritual farmers, that's not how God desires us to operate. He wants us to think sowing. He wants us to purpose, okay? But notice this, we purpose in our heart. This word heart is cardia. It means heart, okay? You don't purpose where to, how, where, when, how much seed to sow. You don't purpose that kind of stuff in your head. You purpose in your heart. Now, why is that important? Do you remember last week with Pastor Dan? He talked about you have the flesh, you have your body over here. I think it was on this side of the PowerPoint. You have your soul, which is your mind, will, emotions. Then you have your spirit. Your spirit is perfect like God. Your spirit is absolutely generous to the core because your spirit is made just like him. It's perfect. Your spirit, your heart wants to give. It wants to give. Giving generosity flows from your heart, not your head. Your head is where you decide what you're going to do. Your body, on the other hand, is not generous. (laughs) Your flesh is into self-preservation. It does not want to give. It wants to hold. It wants to keep. Okay. So that's why it's important that We make decisions in the mind. We make our decisions on how we're going to live according to our spirit, not according to our flesh. That means your spirit is the part of you that is in connection with God, remember? Not your body. Your body is the tent that you live in. You are spirit. This is the part of you that is in connection with God. So if we're going to purpose in our heart, that means we're going to talk to the Lord about it. We're going to involve him in our, in our finances, in what we do with our finances. He wants to be involved. He loves to be involved in every area of your life. And, you know, I told this story a few weeks ago, a month ago, later service, so I'm going to share it again. But the reason I'm going to share this is because it was so significant to me, okay? In January, Gabe and I were in a conference in Bangkok, Speaking about making decisions with your heart, not your head or your flesh, okay? So we really felt that we were led of the Lord to go to this conference in Bangkok. We felt like we were supposed to go. The Spirit of God was telling us to go. So we sowed a lot to get there. Plane tickets, accommodation, the conference fair, it was a lot of money. We went to this conference. We were in the conference and sitting in the conference, enjoying the conference. Then the offering basket came by. Now, when the offering basket came to me, I'm going to admit, my instant reaction was, I don't need to give. Why? I've already given a lot to come here. That's good enough, isn't it? (laughs) I'm not, I didn't even let it cross my mind. So my mind already said, no, didn't even entertain anything else as I saw it coming along. 
But then, as it got closer, the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in me. Like, are you going to make that decision on your own without even asking the Lord? Are you just going to do life? Are you just going to do this area of life on your own and not even not do it with me? I said, okay, Lord. So I asked him, Lord, would you like me to give? Would you like me to give in the offering? So I see. He said, yes, of course I want you to give. And then he said this, and I will never forget this. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was very loud in my spirit, which is why I'm sharing it, because it was a significant um, moment in my life. He said, Katie, as long as I want to increase you, as long as I want to increase you, I will continue to give you opportunities to give. As long as I want to increase you, I will continue to give you opportunities to give. How do I expand? Through sowing seed. If God wants to expand me, guess what? He's going to give me opportunities to sow seed. Do you recognize the opportunities that he gives you? So what happened, I said, okay, Lord, yeah, this is an opportunity. So I, I sowed, I gave. It wasn't a lot, but I sowed a seed. And you know what happened that conference? They took about five, about four or five. It was a two-day conference. It was a two-day conference. <laughs> they took four or five offerings in a two-day conference. How many of you know that is really strange? Jesus Festival, we take maybe one or two. It's weird to take that many. But I knew that that was the Lord telling me, you know what? As long as I want to increase you, I will continue to give you opportunities to sow. So you know what? Every time that bucket came around, I was like, woohoo, come on. Increase is on the way. So I had many opportunities to sow. So what am I saying here? As long as we're happy to do life on our own, make decisions according to our flesh, not ask the Lord, not get our spirit involved, then you will miss those opportunities to sow. You will miss opportunities to expand. Now, I'm not just talking about money, okay? (laughs) Although money is a part of it. He wants to expand you in your finances. I remember um, a few years ago, I remember a few years ago, Pastor Josel, the first time he asked me to preach. Okay, you've got the body, you've got the, the spirit. This is my automatic reaction. No way. No way. <laughs> Didn't even ask the Lord about it. Just said no way. Because your default is to go with what the flesh wants. That's our default setting was, is no. Opportunity, no. Because the flesh says self-preservation says, I don't have anything to give. I've got to keep what I have, right? But of course, when I asked the Lord about it, he said, yes. Yes, you need to preach. Go. So it's the same with everything, okay? Every time you have an opportunity to give, ask the Lord. It's an opportunity. I am so glad that now, after a few years of listening to the word, my mentality, my mindset is changing. While before, when I had opportunities to give, my automatic default was no way. Now, my automatic default is yes, Lord. Let's do it. Because I've learned the way that he works. I've learned the way that he thinks. 
So there has to be a change in our mentality. There has to be a change in mindset. This way is poverty mentality. Poverty mentality thinks that I have to hoard, I have to keep. You know, I grew up with a girl. I grew up with a girl who, um, not grew up with her. I played basketball with a girl who grew up in extreme poverty. This is in America. But her parents were drug addicts, so they didn't feed her. So as a kid, she would eat paint off the wall because she was hungry. And she also would eat dirt from their backyard. So when I met her, when she was already in her 20s, she had an addiction to paint and dirt because that's what she grew up eating because she was hungry. So she had some deficiencies in her body. But what I learned from observing her behavior is that poverty mentality, it took a while to break off of her. Because we both were there, um, we were in college together for basketball and they used to take us to all-you-can-eat restaurants. So we'd go to these all-you-can-eat restaurants and she would literally stuff herself silly, absolutely stuff herself, get as much as she could, eat and eat and eat and eat until she had to roll out of there. She would fill her bags with stuff and she was not willing to share. So she would walk out full with bags of stuff, didn't want to share. That's poverty mentality. Now, why did she think like that? Because she grew up not knowing where her next meal was coming from. She didn't know that there was more supply coming. She thought, this is it. And, you know, it's unfortunate. But sometimes we think like that as believers. Poverty mentality comes from, it's like an orphan spirit. It's like, I got to get my own food. I don't know where the next meal's coming from. You are not an orphan. You have a father. You have a heavenly father. So your, our mindset has to change. We don't have poverty orphan mentality. We have prosperity mentality because you have a heavenly father who loves you. The Bible says if he takes care of the birds, how much more value are you than they? Matthew 6 talks all about the Gentiles that don't have a father. They're orphans. They run after all these things. But the author says, not so for you. You have a father, a good father. He provides for you. You don't have to worry about that stuff, right? So prosperity mentality knows I'm a son of God. I have a father. I'm born again in the image of my father. I am blessed to be a blessing. I am a source of blessing wherever I go. Just like Jesus, when he walked the earth, he knew I'm a son of God. God is my father. He takes care of all of my needs. I have access to all that he is. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing everywhere he went. I'm blessed to be a blessing. This is how we're supposed to live, church. Knowing that we are sons of God everywhere we go, I am a source of blessing. I am blessed. My supply will not stop flowing. I don't have to worry. You know, God wants to break off financial fear. He wants to break off financial fear. Financial fear should have no hold on children of God, on sons and daughters of God. Amen? So what stops us? Fear. Fear often stops us. 
But we've got to change the way that we think. Amen? So let's go back to 2 Corinthians 9. This says, verse 8, this is the result of sowing and reaping. This is what happens. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. This is the result of beginning to release, letting God flow through us. This is the result. We always have what we need for every good work. Abundance means to superabound, have in excess, greatly surpass, excel. That's a good definition of prosperity right there. Amen? So verse 9, then it says, As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now this is a quote from the Old Testament. It's describing the blessed man who knows how to sow, okay? And this comes from Psalm 112. Psalm 112. This is one of our um, life verses. It talks about the state of a blessed man. Verse 1, if you go there, Psalm 112, verse 1, says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Wealth and riches are in this man's house. Go down to verse 7. Verse 7 says, He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. So what do we learn about this man? Wealth and riches are in his house. He trusts in the Lord. He's not trusting in his own strength. He's trusting in the Lord. And then verse 9 is where you're going to get. He's dispersed abroad. So the third thing we know about this man is he's a sower. He knows how to release. You know, where there is release, there is increase. Where there is release, there is increase. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Proverbs 11.24 says, There is one who scatters yet increases more. Now in the natural, that doesn't make sense. To sow seed and to scatter and you increase. But change the way you think. When you give seed, you're not throwing it away. You're investing. You're planting it. Seed is for your future. Bread is for your now. So there's one who scatters yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. That's not us. This is a year of expansion, right? There's no holding back. We don't need to be afraid to hold back. We trust him and we release to increase. Amen? This word scatters is actually the word distributes. And I couldn't help thinking about the feeding of the 5,000. Because Jesus, when he broke the bread... He gave this feeding of the 5,000, it's in all four Gospels. If you've read any Gospel, you should have read it, okay? So Jesus, when he gives the bread, there's 20,000 people to feed. They have five loaves and two fish. The disciples, I think, were hungry too. 
because they'd been there all day as well. But what happened? Jesus gave the bread, gave the fish to the disciples. They had to distribute it to the multitude. They became the distribution centers. As disciples of Jesus, we are to be the distribution centers. He is the source. They got the bread from Jesus, then they distributed it. Now here's the thing. When they got the bread from Jesus, they were hungry too, remember? They could have eaten it right there. To release that, that took faith. That took faith to release that. I mean, the need was so great. Eat for myself or trust and release. But they released it and they released it and they released it and they released it and they released it. And And guess what? It kept flowing. It never stopped until the Bible says they'd all eaten as much as they wanted. Now, what about the disciples? It says afterwards there are 12 baskets full of leftovers. So they didn't lose out. You know, when you choose to release, you always increase. You never lose out. If they would have eaten that five, the five loaves and the two fish between the 12 of them, that's one little kid's lunch between 12 men. It's not a lot. But instead, they chose to release. They trusted. And they went home with a basket full each. That's enough for a week, I think, at least. So you will never lose out when you trust the Lord. Verse 24, uh, verse 25 says, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The generous soul will be made rich. The Bible says made fat. Rich means make fat, expand. The generous soul, this word generous means source of blessing. When we are a source of blessing, we shall expand. And he who waters will also be watered himself. When we refresh others, we're also refreshed. How many of you know that if the water's going to flow through you to someone else, you're going to get wet too? That's the way that God works. Go to the Message Bible for that one. I didn't give you that, but Pastor Ramesh read this and it was good. The one who blesses others, uh, go to verse 24. Proverbs 11, 24 message. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Expansion. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. We are of those who expand. We are of those who trust the Lord and we release. Where there is release, there is increase. When we hold, we fold. So <laughs> what Gabe and I used to say, playing cards. Got a risk to win, huh? All right, so let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Let's finish this off. Second Corinthians 9.10 Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So he gives you, he is so good. 
He gives you seed and he gives you bread. He gives you bread to eat now. He gives you seed to sow. Now, a lot of people say, how do I know what's seed and how do I know what's bread? That's a good question. How do you know what what I'm supposed to give and what I'm supposed to eat for myself? And, well, the the question I would ask would be this. Well, how much do you want to harvest? That would be my first question. Because with my dad, when he sows seed, it's actually, it's not about the seed. He's always going to sow because he's a farmer. That's what he does. He's always going to sow seed. But the problem with my dad is not really about the seed. He has seed to sow. The problem is opportunities to sow. See, our land is only so big. So we sow every field that we have, we sow on that land. Every opportunity that we have to sow, we sow. We always sow. Why? We know there's harvest coming. We can expect a harvest when we sow, okay? So as a farmer, farmers are always looking to buy new land because that's another opportunity. Land where I live, dirt, as we call it, is very, very valuable. It's very valuable. It's, ve- it's more expensive than buying a home, buying farm machinery. Why? Because that's now an opportunity to sow every single year. So my dad is not looking to buy actually houses and TVs and stuff like that, although there's nothing wrong with that. You know what he's looking for? More opportunities to sow. Because the more opportunities we have to sow, the more increase that we have. So it's really not so much about the seed. We always have seed to sow. It's about opportunities to sow. Okay? So can you understand what I'm saying? Take that from a spiritual point of view. As a spiritual farmer... We're always looking for opportunities, as I said earlier. 2 Corinthians 9, 11. This is the result, okay? As I end here, this is the result of our sowing seed and our giving. It says, while you are enriched in everything, for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving, say thanksgiving, through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings, say thanksgivings, to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God. Say they glorify God. For the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. This is so beautiful. And you know, when I read this, I I really wept. What is the result of you sowing seed? Now, in this, in this instance, they had an opportunity to sow seed to Jerusalem. And Paul encouraged them. He said, this is a good opportunity. I don't command you to sow, but I advise you to sow as much as you can. It's to your advantage. But this is the result. He said, as you do this, they will give thanks. As they receive your giving, they will give thanksgiving to God. They will give thanksgiving to God. They will glorify God. What an awesome thing. That your seed, when you sow a seed as led by the Spirit of God, it is always connected to lives. It's always connected to people. And your seed will cause other people to give thanksgiving to God. That's amazing to me. 
that I can use my money as a tool to cause someone else to give thanksgiving to God. When we give with the right motivation, when we give, we give out of love. We don't give out of selfish motivation that we want the harvest. We give out of love, but we do expect the harvest, if that makes sense. When God gave Jesus, he gave with no selfish motivation. There was no strings attached. He gave out of love. But was he expecting a harvest? You bet he was. We are that harvest. He fully expected and fully believed for that harvest. You can expect a harvest too on the seeds that you sow. You can be sure of it. And your seeds will cause people to glorify Jesus. That's what happens when we give as led by the Spirit, when we give from our heart. Jesus is glorified, not us. When people give with self-motivation, there's a, a motive behind it. They are glorified. But you know what? We don't use God to bring to pass our plans and purposes. He uses us. We say, Lord, use me. Use me so I can help bring your plans and purposes to pass. So people see you, not me. When I give, I don't want people to see me. I want them to see him. So four things that take place when believers give. Number one, the sincerity and proof of love is demonstrated. That's why verse 12 says that the administration of this service not only supplies, sorry, verse 13, says that they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. The sincerity and proof of love is demonstrated. It's a demonstration of your love. Love looks like something. In, in chapter 8, it's going to say that it's proof of your love. Pastor Emmett said before, put your money where your mouth is. If you're a man, you're telling your woman that you love her, do something about it. So our giving is proof that we are disciples of Jesus, that we're made in his image, okay? Number two, others' needs are met. Through this gift, through this sowing, the needs of the people in Jerusalem were met. There are needs that need to be met that will cause the kingdom to expand. Build this house is a need that needs to be met. When we give to Metro Ministries, they are children that have needs that need to be met. That's another good place to sow. So needs are met. Number three, our giving results in thanksgiving and praise unto God. It causes other people to thank Jesus. And number four, you receive a blessing. You do not miss out on the blessing when you give. You know, when my dad sows seed, he can get between 20 times and 400 times the amount that he planted. That's the harvest that he expects, depending on the seed that is sown. Bean seeds are bigger. That's the less return he would expect from, a bean, from beans is 20 times what he sowed. Canola seeds are smaller. He can expect as much as 400 times the amount that he sowed. That's just in the natural realm. You will harvest on the seeds that you sow. There's no doubt about it. (laughs) 
There's no doubt about it. God is not, God will not be, uh, says don't be deceived, Galatians 6, 7. God will not be mocked. He will not be ridiculed. He will not be made fun of. Whatever a man sows, that he shall reap. You shall reap. There is a due season for you to reap, an appointed time for you to reap if you don't grow weary. So we are blessed to be a blessing. I'll end with this verse, Acts 20, 35, Amplified. This is the very last thing that Paul says to the church leaders in Ephesus. Now, if you're going to tell someone something, your last words, you're going to make them important, right? This is the last thing that I want to leave with you guys. He's on his way. He's never going to see him again. He knows he's going to die. He's going to be beheaded. This is the last time he'll see them. And this is what he says to them as he leaves. He says, in everything, I have pointed out to you by example that by working diligently in this manner, we ought to assist the weak, being mindful of the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed, makes one happier and more to be envied to give than to receive. It doesn't say it's easier to give. Because sometimes it's hard to release that. We have to, it takes faith. It takes trust. But it says it is more blessed to give than to receive. There is a special joy that can only be experienced through giving. Getting is good. But there is a different kind of joy. There is a different kind of fulfillment that can only be experienced through giving. It is more blessed. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen? So lift your hands and let me pray for you as we end. Father, I thank you that truly we are blessed to be a blessing. I thank you for every person in the cinema tonight, I th- uh, this afternoon. I thank you, Lord God, that there is a changing of the way that we think that we don't think poverty anymore because we're not orphans. We think prosperity because we have you, a good father. You're a good father. You provide for all of their needs. I pray, Lord God, that they will begin to test you in this, that they will begin to step out and trust in your goodness, and they will begin to release. They will begin to sow. I thank you, Lord, for a family of here at New Life the Fort that are spiritual farmers, looking for opportunities, looking for opportunities to sow seed and expecting a harvest, sowing out of love, sowing out of love for you. So I pray, Lord God, that you would demonstrate your word to them. I thank you, Lord, that they, as they step out and begin to trust you in this, that there would be demonstrations they would experience. They would experience the harvest that you have prepared for them. So, Lord, we just break off any financial fear that may be in this room today. We break you off. And we say, let the love of God reign in this place. Thank you, Father, for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, you can just keep your, um, you can give the Lord a clap if you want.
And I'm going to ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes. We want to give people an opportunity before we end. If you've never received the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is a really great opportunity to do that. So if you've never done that, you've never received him as Lord, received what he's done for you, the fact that he died for you, he rose again for you to forgive you of all your sins and give you eternal life. If you've never committed your life to him and you want to do that today, I just want you to raise your hand up really quickly because I want to pray with you. I see your hand, ma'am. Is there anyone else? Raise them up nice and high so I can see them. We're going to pray with you. Is there anyone else? Okay, there may be some people on the fourth floor as well. I'm going to pray with you, ma'am, and congregation, let's pray along. We're going to just declare what you believe in your heart, declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So just go ahead and say this prayer with me. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sowing Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, shedding your blood for me, so I can be forgiven of all sin and be given eternal life. Today I receive that life. I receive you. I give my life to you. And I thank you that you have already given your life to me. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com. Thank you.